Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, welcome to your Hollywood Crime Scene mini episode. Hi, so as promised, we're back with the conclusion of the Elizabeth Finch story. Is she a shell of a person? What's she up to? Luckily, a few weeks ago, we got an update on the case. Ironically, she reached out to the reporter who first broke that Ankler article I mentioned in the the first episode to sit down with her in a series of four interviews and kind of tell all. Uh, So this most recent piece um, is an interview with her. It is called The Grey's Anatomy Liar Confesses All. It's also by Peter Kiefer, and it is in that... um, Substack uh, newsletter called The Ankler. So <laughs> on French, Finch's 44th birthday, I mentioned that in the first article the, when her fellow co-workers were looking up her Instagram post of um, her all her cryptic post, she receives a call from a, photo sh- a phone number she doesn't recognize. She thinks it's just another person wishing her a happy birthday, but it's actually this reporter calling to inform her that he's planning to publish a damaging story <laughs> about this this uh, investigation with HR and all of these lies that he has sort of dug up. He's been trying to get in touch with her for days. She's caught off guard, obviously, and she's like, now's not a good time because she's literally sitting in um, a theater of an off-Broadway show. So she turns her phone off and watches the play. Yeah. That itself is delusional. <laughs> in my I, opinion, I how? Wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to think of anything else. How do you do that? How do you not leave the theater? So he's like, <laughs> she's watching this play and he publishes the story on the Ankler um, about her administrative leave with the company and all of these allegations by her ex-wife, Jennifer. She turns her phone back on, <laughs> scrolls through all her texts and email emails, and she's like, oh, from that point on, I, I was... I knew my life was over. <laughs> She's like, I was cut off pretty quickly from everything. I slowly started to see people blocking me on Instagram and other social media. It was so universal that I don't know if an email went out or everyone just got together to, and decided to say, no, thank you. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a quick no follow like, yeah. for me. So obviously we know what happened. Where has she been? She's basically been in Topanga Canyon off the grid, not talking to anyone. She says, she's like, I don't know who's not talking to me because they can't legally, who's not talking to me because they don't know what to say, who's not talking to me because they're pissed off and who's waiting for me to reach out. I have no clue. So it's been a very quiet and sad time for me. Um, she said there were people who, when your article came out, were immediately very, very nasty on text. <laughs> Family and friends called me a monster and a fraud, and that's all I'll ever be known for, and soon more truth will come out. You know what? You fucking did it to yourself. You did it to your... You had a right... You had a foot in the you foot in the door. You had writing jobs. You didn't have to do this. Also, you could have used your mom's cancer. At least that's a real thing that you had information and knowledge about. Like, 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I just don't. It's I crazy. Just, yeah, she had like a big, high-paying job. All she had to do was not fucking lie in this massive way. I mean, it's insane. So all of these people obviously are right to feel betrayed. No one feels sympathy uh, about or or feels like they're in the wrong. Clearly, (laughs) this woman screwed them over. And they bent over backwards to accommodate her through all of these lies and even celebrate her uh, through this stuff. So according to her, she said, at a certain point, the hardest thing became remembering what you said or told people. When you get wrapped up in a lie, you forget who you told, what you said to this person, or whether this person knows that thing. And that's the world where you can get caught. I don't have to worry about that (laughs) now. That's very true. Um, So she goes on to say that, like she describes it as this lie she just told when she was 34 that got out of control. She said, It's a pretty big lie. She said, I told a lie when I was 34 years old, and it was the biggest mistake of my life. It just got bigger and bigger and bigger. It got buried deeper and deeper inside of me. The reporter's like, I'm not interested in helping you resuscitate your career. Yeah. I'm here to get the truth. So just fucking say it. And she finally says, I've never had any form of cancer. <laughs> and the reporter gets her to confess to all of the lies. She lied about the tree of life. She lies about the brother's suicide, the kidney transplant, the abortion. All of it is made up. But according to her, she had a reason. Oh. She's like, I know it's absolutely wrong what I did. I lied and there's no excuse for that. But there's a context for it. The best way I can explain is when you experience a level of trauma, a lot of people adopt a maladaptive coping mechanism. No. Some people drink to hide or forget things. Drug addicts try to alter the reality. Some people cut. I lied. That was my coping and my way to feel safe and seen and heard. Shut up. So (laughs) I'm sorry. Just shut up. In this interview, she then lifts up the hem of her dress to expose a six-inch scar on her kneecap. So the knee surgery was real. She said that, um, and this guy describes it as being the inciting incident for this like whole fucking thing. She said during the Writers Guild strike, she went on a hike and she... um, Injured her knee somehow. It took multiple surgeries to figure this out and have this knee replacement surgery. She was on crutches. She grew dependent on her friends. And she ultimately recovered. She said, that's when the lie started. What ended up happening is that everyone was so amazing and so wonderful leading up to all the surgeries. They were so supportive. Then I got my knee replacement and it was one hell of a recovery period. And it was dead quiet because everyone was like, yay, you're healed. But it was dead quiet. I had no support and went back to my old maladaptive coping mechanism. I lied and made something up because I needed support and attention. And that's the way I went after it. That's where the lie started, in that silence. So it's our fault for helping her during her surgery. God damn it. In 2012, she starts telling friends that she had this tumor encroaching on her spine um, but the surgery wasn't the only thing that propelled her to lie, according to her. It was also the abuse by her brother, something she maintains is true. It wasn't just a casual sibling rivalry. There were two things going on. My brother was abusing me and my parents weren't listening. So a lot of sci- scientists, psychologists, psychiatrists will tell you that the negation of abuse or not hearing it can sometimes be an even bigger trauma than the trauma itself. I asked her the reporter says, I asked her if she had ever been hospitalized with broken bones. Was there any medical records that records that showed this abuse? And she's like, no, Eric was very, even saying his name is hard. She collects herself. He was very good at doing things that were terrorizing and physical, but never left a mark. Um, so she doesn't have any evidence of this 
which doesn't mean it didn't happen, but I mean, like you said, at this point, it's very difficult to believe anything that she says, especially now that she's using it as an excuse for what yes, she did. Yes. If, if it's not true, I feel very bad for the brother, her dragging his name through the mud. And he's a doctor too. Yeah. So this is not good for him no. to have these accusations. No. I just feel like she keeps saying, I, so I, so I lie. So I, so I told these lies. It's like, you plotted. You didn't just lie. You, it, it wasn't just like verbal lies. It was like she actively manipulated this entire fucking alternate reality. Also, let's say that is true. You do the cancer and that gets out of hand. Why do you add new things she, into the mix? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that yeah. doesn't make sense. But she's really saying that's this connective tissue between what her brother did and then the depression uh, that happened after that initial knee surgery, that's what sort of was the perfect storm. She said that she's talked to multiple therapists. They've poured over the DSM uh, <laughs> and that her therapists are all unanimous. It's not a personality disorder. disorder. It's trauma. It's a person. I feel like it's I a little it's personality, a personality disorder. <laughs> um, so this guy, the reporter, reaches out to an expert. This is a guy named Dr. Mark Feldman. He wrote a book called... Dying to be Ill, The True Stories of Medical Deception. And he's like, this is a classic case of um, factitious disorder. This is when people lie about their medical conditions to get attention and sympathy. A lot of times these people are actually um, medical professionals, like nurses. So they have a lot of information that they can use to kind of um, trick people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they do it, obviously, to con people. Like we have all heard the stories of people who have cancer fundraisers and it, they don't have cancer. They're just using it to steal money. But a lot of people really do it just to get this attention. I mean, we're all familiar with like the Munchausen by proxy and all of that kind of stuff. So it's very in line with that. And he said, this case is very typical of a classic case of this. Uh, the twist is that it's in, in the entertainment industry. So it definitely got a lot more attention uh, and he's like, the main reason people do it is because there is an underlying personality disorder. <laughs> like, it's not, this is a symptom of a personality disorder, according Be to him. Because look, oh, you have trauma. I have trauma. Yeah. A lot of people have trauma. That don't do this. That don't do this. Right. And this is a pathological behavior. Like, yeah. there's something, yeah. So the reporter points out, that the incredible thing, like we've said, is how far she took it. Like there were so many moments where she could have pulled back from her con and gotten away with it. Yeah. She could have just had this cancer that got cured and moved on. Do you know what I mean? She could have stopped the cancer thing at any time by being cured. And right. no one would have ever questioned that. Um, she didn't have to start publishing all these essays that left this trail of evidence where people could pick things apart and figure things out. Then she extends it to the Tree of Life Synagogue, the suicide of her brother. Like she just kept inventing new lies. And a lot of them were to cover her tracks. So she had no choice but to do them. But some of them were just unnecessary and created more um, lies. Even the things like doing that video against um, Brett Kavanaugh it's like she didn't have to go that far to make this video claiming like it's the right choice for me. Like if he gets on the, if I were pregnant when he was on the Supreme Court, I would have had no choice. It's like you were never pregnant. Like it's just like, it's just it's insane just sick to me. It's just sick. It's like she's using people's real fears and real pain and just like 
It's sick. One of her writers, a lot of the writers, I'm not saying their names because they're anonymous in this, uh, said she always had some tragedy or b- bizarre hardship going on in her life. Things that just don't happen to other people and happen people happen to her all the time. Not just the big lies, the small things too. Like this woman spoke about how um, she one time showed up at the office. She had been the victim of road rage and um, the male assistant. <laughs> The male assailant caught up with her at a red light, exposed his genitalia, and masturbated in front of her. Like, that's obviously something that could happen, but it's like, why did everything always happen to her? Like, everything she did now is suspect. And she would go on Facebook and Instagram and all of those and talk about these kind of stories, too. So in this Grey's Anatomy, I'm sorry, Grey's Anatomy, in the Ankler piece, we also find out about a person on the Grey set who was onto her that we didn't hear about initially. This was a man named Fred Einisman. He was a physician who was now an industry consultant on these kind of medical shows and movies. Um, So he would hear her stories about cancer and he would know they didn't really square up with the reality of what a cancer treatment would be. Uh, So he kind of knew she was lying. He also was disturbed by her bullying. Like she was really like a bully to people who were less than her on the set, like, you know, um, on the ladder. Yeah. She would treat them like shit um, because she knew she could get away with it, I guess. He actually took his concerns to Krista Vernoff and Human Resources and the, according to him, the concerns were ignored. Wow. Um, a source close to the show obviously said that he was lying um, and that he never alerted or questioned the veracity of her diagnosis. So who knows what happened there? I believe it, though, that he was on to her. Yeah. Why wouldn't he be? Yeah. So the reporter and Elizabeth also go through the Vanity Fair article that I talked about in the first episode and are, are used as a source. And obviously, Elizabeth has a lot of issues with that, namely the fact that Jennifer comes off like an innocent victim. Um, So Mary Bayard Diebold is the mother of Brendan, and she's the one I mentioned had temporary um, custody of the grandchildren after a lot of this shit went down with Bayard and her husband. And she, she says a lot of the accusations leveled against her son uh, are untrue. And she said he did suffer from paranoid schizophrenia, which caused a lot of his bad behavior. Um, but according to her, quote, the situations that are described by Jen could be out of intentional spite and anger, or they are figments of a deep-seated paranoia and delusional thinking. Now, the mom obviously is going to defend her son, right? Uh, but she actually is pretty uh, sympathetic to Jennifer, too. She thinks these two people just had some mental health issues and were in a bad situation. Um, she said that Jennifer had a lot of suffering throughout the years she knew her, a range of illnesses, uh, symptoms that would manifest in different ways. And she's like, it really is just a tragic tale. And the writer of this article is like, there really is no reliable narrator in this story. And that's why it's sometimes difficult to piece things together. Um, The mother said, it's not my intention or desire to speak badly of Jennifer. She's a troubled individual who is now charged with raising the children alone. My only interest in responding to this story is to shine the light of truth on it so that Jennifer's attempt to vilify Brendan are exposed and are seen in the context of her fragile reality. So um, according to Elizabeth, when she gets this information relayed about Jennifer, she, she defends Jennifer. She's like, I believe women when they tell me they're survivors. But even that to me is like a little self-serving. Yes. Cause like, Do oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. 
So it's like, yeah, because you all want us to believe that stuff about your brother still. <laughs> like, I'm on to you, Elizabeth Finch. Um, so she also goes on to say, I don't understand why my story is on such a public-facing face- stage. This is what she said. <laughs> because she wrote about it. Because she fucking wrote about it. And she fucking, she posted about it. And she used a the worst anti-Semitic like attack on U.S. soil in recent, yeah, in, in, yeah, like in a while, a long time, and she she used that, and it just like terrible, terrible things that she did. I'm just yeah. like, I'm beside myself thinking about this woman. Well, that's what's kind of incredible, and you should go read the whole article. It does rehash a lot of old stuff, but there, you know, there's definitely more, a little more there. She, it's like even when she's confessing, it's not a hundred percent. A, a true like reckoning or like accountability. To, she's yes. not taking a, a true accountability. Yeah. It's like, why don't you just I'm leave? Shaking well, right <laughs> well, it's like, honestly, in a way I feel like when you take, you know, responsibility and you're making your amends or apology, whatever you want to call it, I don't feel like that's the time to bring up anything that happened to you. No. Right. <laughs> I don't know if that's like the way it's done. No, I'm just saying as someone who has made a lot of amends in her life. Yeah. That you know what? Talk about your side of the street, Elizabeth. Talk about your side what you did. Yeah. And it's like it doesn't matter account- yet. Yeah. Take accountability for what you did. Tell us you were in the wrong and what you did wrong and what you're going to do now to make it better. And what I think she should do now to make it better is like not work in TV and go away and just fucking stop. Right. I mean, because it's like, it's just never, it never comes off, even if everything is true, when I'm hearing someone apologize, but giving me the reasons why, I don't care about that at that moment in the apology. It's like, yes, everyone has reasons why they did shitty things because we're all coming from fucked up traumas and whatever. And obviously some people process it in a really bad way. That doesn't mean they get excused. You still yeah. have to apologize, even if you have a reason for why you act the way you act. Like, <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't matter. Like right. in that moment during right. the apology, like if right. someone wants the whole context later, then that's different. But I am riveted by her explanations in this. Oh, article. of course, <laughs> because it's fascinating to see someone still not take accountability. And it's weird when it's like they're actually telling the truth, but it's still not right. Like. Yeah. Because it's, it's sort so of icky. It's icky. It's icky because why is she still telling me about her trauma? <laughs> I just I don't want to hear about it right now, yeah. Elizabeth. Um, so the reporter is kind of ask a question like, "There's very you know this is this has happened in Hollywood a lot. Like we mentioned James Fry, the writers. There's been several other writers. Like I can't remember that woman right now. I always want to do an article. I mean a story on her." The one who was like pretending to be the roadside teen who was like a sex worker. Oh God, I'm it's completely slipping my mind right now. But it turned out to be like a 40 year old woman in San Francisco. What was that story? Oh, ask Alice. No, <laughs> but that, whatever. You guys know what you guys are all screaming it at I me know, right now. I know what you're talking there about. There was like two books. She was like a really big memoirist in the early 2000s. Anyway, uh, and then there's other people who have um, had obviously huge falling from grace, like Mel Gibson, who is now working in movies, almost as if nothing has happened. Yeah. Or nothing had happened with him. Uh, He asked Elizabeth, does she think she can have a redemption story? Like, does she think she deserves a redemption story? So they have their final interview in Venice Beach, and she tells him... 
I can only hope that the work that I've done will allow me back into those relationships where I can say, okay, I did this. I hurt a lot of people. And I'm also going to work my fucking ass off because this is where I want to be. And I know what it's like to lose everything. Okay, so now this is, <laughs> now this is a brand new trauma. Now she has the trauma of losing everything that she fucking did to herself. Now she's got her cancel a, culture trauma. <laughs> and now she now she has she left a trail of wreckage behind her. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're gonna love um, oh, this just, next part. <laughs> he asked her what show she would love to write on right now, <laughs> and she says the Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't trust her with that material because she, that's ripe. That is ripe for her to uh, to exploit and be like, "Well, this happened to me. I was forced to give birth by yeah. my handmaid. I was a handmaid. I faked an abortion once. <laughs> that was really traumatic for me. It's almost like the same thing." She said, I've struggled with that show a lot, and I love what they're doing in the world of redemption and what redemption looks like and what accountability looks like. It's taken a lot of hits because people have wanted certain survivors, characters who are survivors, to act a specific way. They want them to be less angry or less this or less that, and characters are reacting in all different types of ways to pain and to suffering. Like, for instance, I lied about (laughs) cancer (laughs) being a victim of a hate crime, like having an abortion, having my brother commit suicide. We all react to things in different ways. There's all ways to be survivor, according to Elizabeth. (laughs) I don't, I just, here's the reality. Even if people did forgive her and she got another job writing for television, I wouldn't believe anything. Like, I just wouldn't, why would you want to watch something by someone who is that inauthentic of a human being? Just, she's a liar. And even in this, it's like everything is self-serving. Yes. Because she's like talking about this show. Everything she says serves her narrative. Yeah. That it's like, you know, who are you to say how survivors act? Like she equates her lying with doing drugs and doing alcohol. I'm sorry, doing alcohol, drinking, like being an alcoholic. Right. Uh, I don't even doubt that that I can see that that's true. I think a lot of people probably lie or pathological liars. It's the the point is it doesn't excuse what you did. Right. It doesn't it matter. It doesn't matter why you did it necessarily. Right. It only matters in the context of it being kind of interesting to hear why. Right. But it doesn't make what you did be- like feel better for the people you lied to. Does she apologize? Does she acknowledge the, the, the hurt that she did? Does she acknowledge that? She says things like, what I did was really fucked up. There's no doubt about it. It's like that kind of thing. Like, it's very... It doesn't feel authentic. Like, that's the right word for it, like you said. And it's like, I've thought this a lot with people where I feel like there's something interesting here. But I will never want to hear it from you because you are not an authentic person. Right. This is an interesting story. And I would love to hear someone's true reality of what going through this and doing it feels like. Right. Because I don't know what that would be like because these people never fucking tell the truth. Right. Because that would be really interesting to hear, to hear what the inner workings right. of your mind was like during all of these. But she can't tell the truth about this because everything ha- she can't be truly... Uh, honest with herself. Yeah. And she can't honest and she can't be 
she can't like uh, bear to humiliate herself in that way. She has to like build up this wall, like this is a trauma reaction, so she could still like garner a tiny mustard seed of sympathy from people. Yes, and also just um, it's like another. It's a, still a protection from her from being confronted by people. Right, right. Like the, her hope is probably like, well, maybe they'll just leave me alone because it's just like ah, fuck it, she's a fucking mess or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, no one wants to be like, oh, you got beat by your brother. Like, do you know what I mean? Right. It's just one of those things. It's like it's playing on everyone's good natures yeah. to be sympathetic and have empathy or sympathy for people. Like, uh, So writing for that show would be a dream. That's what she to said. That's, that's her dream. So obviously a lot of her colleagues or former colleagues are mad that she even had the nerve to do these interviews. Like they don't even want to fucking hear it from her anymore. Uh, one colleague said, this is what master manipulators do. What she's done is absolutely unconscionable, but she doesn't have a conscious conscience. She does not deserve to have a voice. <laughs> That's so extreme, but in a way it's true. It's like, you fucked up in a way that's so bad no one can ever believe you. Yeah. And it's like maybe you should hold on to the people who still care and love you, care about you and love you. Apologize to your mother for God's sake. <laughs> Seriously. Her poor parents that she put through hell thinking their child had cancer and was dying of cancer. Go apo- call your mother and apologize to her. And also like if she is lying about the brother, that's even like it's because that's even that's also hurting the parents. Yes, because you're taking away their son as well, or 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 coloring their impression of who he is. Uh, and it's just like I I I'm very curious what the specifics are on that. Well, and it's like you said, of course, of course, we believe survivors. We want to believe we want to believe stories, and it's like, but it's like, how are we supposed to fucking do that with you, Elizabeth? Yeah, it's really hard because. It's her. Why would she give up her one last thing of sympathy? Yeah, right. Like, right. She has zero that's incentive. No, not provable, quote unquote. She has zero incentive to give that story up because yeah. that's the only thing that's protecting her now uh, at all. Right. Even if it's not really protecting her, right. she thinks it is. Right. Um, I don't know. So that's that's the end of that interview. I'm just definitely. <laughs> I know. I was kind of like. I don't know what I was hoping. I, you always want people to just authentically tell the truth. Right. And it's just kind of, you can imagine what Jennifer went through those months of trying to get her to confess and she just would never do it all the way. Like I just, the betrayal that Jennifer must have felt, I think about just how disgusting you would feel knowing that this person took your deepest, darkest, worst things that had happened to you and capitalized on them, like wrote about them for a TV show, but just had other people act them out and, 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 and pass them off. Like they were your own. Yeah. Like it's like a game. It's well, just also sick. someone you felt like loved you, but yes. they were just using you like, yeah. And it's like, it doesn't, I believe Jennifer, she probably does have a lot of mental health problems, but that's what makes what Elizabeth did to her even worse. She took someone so vulnerable and fucking she, brought her into her web for she, what reason? She preyed upon someone who was in a treatment facility when she to get stories to get stories. <laughs> I just oh, like I just need to see. The, here's what I want from Elizabeth. I want the thought process before every <laughs> bad decision she made or every lie she did. Yeah, and I would love to know when she first thought 
What am I doing? I need I to stop. I don't think she ever did. I think it was too intoxicating for her. Yeah. The attention she got. Yeah. What a sick, sicko. I'm just glad I don't, I, don't need, I don't need that much attention. No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so yeah, that's all that. Definitely go check out the article. Read them all. They're he, all... What's the guy's name again? Peter? Peter Kiefer. Peter Kiefer. So he broke the original story for wow. the angler. That's still up. And then this one just came out two weeks ago. So that was a good uh, get for him. I've been thinking about this story for almost a year. Since it came out. It's so damn juicy. Like, it's like just, there's so many details. It's like very rare you find a, a story where it's like, well, that's not the worst of it, where it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And it's all lie-based. Like, yeah. It's so... And it's so horrible, but it's like, it doesn't even involve a crime. And it's still so horrible. <laughs> like, right. There's no crime, really. Like, I don't think there's anything she could get arrested for. No. It's just... But just, it's it's the worst thing you can do. Uh, without being criminal or it, killing someone or like whatever, like yeah, it's hurting just, someone physically. Yeah, it's disgusting behavior. And I'm like, I, I know I'm really riled up right now. Like this is the most riled up I've been in a while, but I did eat like 10 cookies before we started recording. Well, she's just an irredeemable uh, personality. She's a fucking villain. She's like, and she's, you know, she must be almost, I guess she's like 45 now or so. So she's like, this is someone who is doing this in their 30s and 40s. Like, it's this is not wild. a 20-year-old who did this, you know? No, it's fucking wild. With a career, with an established career, like, that people would, like, kill to have. And she fucking... And she just kind of... It seems like she had zero struggle. Like, just based on the brief things I saw about her career rise, she just met people, won them over, because she probably is really good at, like, manipulating or getting into people's lives. yeah. And it seems like she did that, and then she just kept getting little connections. And just the fact that, like, did she like uh, apologize to the uh, to the people on set you bullied? Apologize to those people. I can't even imagine. I, I think we talked about this last episode, but just feeling the feeling those writers must have had when all of this shit burst out. <laughs> I mean, because I've never experienced anything that dramatic. Like no. I've had a few moments where even like online, someone got called, like someone we both knew or whatever. Yeah. Where it's like, oh my God. Like, yeah. And it's just, it's it's like one detail. It's not even as major as this. No, I couldn't imagine knowing this person and then... Re- Especially the people who got bullied. Oh Like God. they must have been on cloud fucking nine. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's just so, it's so crazy. Like, yeah, it's like I knew I mean, there was something off about that. Oh bitch. my god, it's like the biggest validation of your feelings or your suspicions ever, right? Like, because they've had to all know. Like, just oh my god. Like, but yeah, just go away, Elizabeth Finch. Just go away. Yeah, I mean, she seems like she has a house in Topanga with a lot of land, so it's like that's nice. Good for you. Just live in fucking Topanga. Just fucking good for you. Do some charity work. Give back to the community. And quietly. Do it quietly. Don't tell us about yeah, it. Don't Just write fucking an essay. do it. Yeah, she should be trying to help people, because especially the- in the fields where she lied, yes. like in the areas in where the- she uh, stole their stole their stories. Because I don't want to see a fucking essay from her next year where she's like, here's my life of charity now. Yes. No. Just fucking do it and shut your mouth about it. Yes. I don't want to see her redemption story. She should just do it quietly. Uh, ha- she has her TV money that'll probably last her a while. Yes. Uh, and if she has a house in Topanga, that's pretty nice. Yeah. 
you can live nicely there. Um, so, or yeah, or like you said, go back to your parents and fucking apologize, apologize and make their life really wonderful <laughs> for all you've done. Just unbelievable. Let's take a break here. We'll be right back. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Desi, I have great news. What? The final episode of Happily Ever After premiered on Sunday. The final episode of this season. But there's a catch. There's going to be a four-part fucking tell-all. I'm not kidding. Wait, how many episodes has this been? 17, which feels like a record. Because it's normally like... 12? Yeah. Or something? I mean, here's the thing about TLC and their reality shows. They don't tell you ever how long a season's going to be. Right. You never know. You you don't know until the final episode, and then they're like, and the tell-all's next week. See, that's... That's funny because I've never watched it live. I always watch them when they're over. So I always know. Right. And I've never seen 17 episodes. No, this feels long, like a long season. Usually it's like between like uh, 12 and 15. This season is so long. I've heard other people talking about it, not just you. <laughs> like, I see tweets about it all the time. Like yeah. it's a thing that people are complaining no one, about. Nobody wants it because also this season, it's like there's two storylines that have been interesting maybe top one right. one Kimberly and Usman that's like the one interesting one everything else is like retired of Angela and Michael I, they're still on it Michael <laughs> that's a pretty the thing with them is it's kind of amusing initially and then you're kind of like this is kind of he's, she's kind of abusive she is abusive. <laughs> yeah and it, you're kind of like wait a minute like yeah, is, this, is this funny like yeah, is it funny and to- then you're just like I cannot it's the same note over and over again. It's like nothing changes, Bingo. right? Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. It's the same note. Anyway, so uh, there is a four-part fucking tell-all. That being said, we're both caught up with Housewives. I think we talked about that on the last mini episode. Yes. Um, Are you excited to watch anything else? No. I'm not excited. Well, hmm, I do have. I am excited to watch Glass Onion when it drops on the 23rd. Yes. I am excited to watch Me that. Too. Me so too. So I'm kind of looking forward to that because I didn't go in the theater I had COVID that week. It was out. Yeah. It was like, not that I would have gone. <laughs> anyway, I also don't have any idea why it takes out of the theater and it takes three weeks to go on Netflix. Put it on instantly. You're Netflix. Yeah. Why, why did we wait three weeks? They it only make, makes sense if it was in the theater. Didn't they make the movie too? Yes. That's what I don't get. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> I, I was like distraught. I was too. When I saw it was a three-week wait because it made zero sense to me. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's pretty soon now. So I'm excited. It's two days away. So I am excited to uh, watch that. Because people liked it. Glass Onion? I well, just, I heard it has like an influencer storyline or some aspect of it. So I'm curious. How they handle how that. How they handle it. Yeah. And I'm sure it's very well done. 
um, not as not as well done as the Lindsay Lohan movie we recapped on Patreon. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, we, nothing could beat that influencer storyline. Desi and I recapped Falling for Christmas, also a Netflix joint. The Lindsay Lohan Cord Overstreet Christmas movie. So yeah. if you want to hear that, if you want to hear us talk about that for an hour and a half, go to patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. It's at the $10 tier. That's the tier where we recap movies. Yes. Um, I am kind of, I do still want to watch um, Hanukkah on Rye. Oh my God. <laughs> this. <laughs> I, I'm actually bummed out. We didn't know about it in, it, in, in time to recap it. I know. That looks like really good. I know. Uh, it's a, is it a Hallmark movie? I think it's, it's Hallmark. And this seems like the first time, look, I was telling Desi, I've never seen a Hallmark Christmas movie before. I just know about them because like there's so many cliches. It's right. whatever. But uh, is this the first Hanukkah movie that they've made? Because I feel like there's two Hanukkah movies this that have come out this year that people are talking about. Because historically, what's the other one? It's like Love Light Latka. I don't know. <laughs> I just made that. Up. I don't think because Hanukkah on Rye has Latka in their tagline, so it would be. I think it's like there's a Latka. See, love this Stop season. It. Stop <laughs> it. They use Latka in their tagline. <laughs> so, um, no, I've actually never seen a Hallmark Christmas movie. I've only watched one Hallmark movie because. I did a podcast where we recapped it. It's called um, Christmas Town, and they recap all Hallmark movies. Yeah. So that's the only time I watched one, and it wasn't even a Christmas one because oh. they have dumb movies all year long right. that are like romance. Right. It's like a, a publisher inherits a safari. <laughs> <laughs> she works too hard. It's like I think the one I had, <laughs> the one I watched starred Lacey Chabert. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love Lacey Chabert. Yeah. So uh, she she inherited a safari. No, she did. Wait, yes. you didn't just make that up? No, that was my story. <laughs> she she inherited a safari in Africa. They actually used the Toto song Africa no, in it. I was like, did they like blow the whole budget getting the rights to this? It had like a character that was equivalent of the Santa, like oh. a magical uh, Santa type character. Yeah. And obviously she falls in love in Africa. And she has to give up her big city life. To be a safari lady. Yeah. So I think Lacey Chabert is like one of the main actresses in these movies now. Good for which her. Which is kind of surprising though, because she had like more of a career going on than like someone like Candace Cameron. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like she was kind of in things. Yeah. But you know what? Good for her because that's like, if she's just steadily making Hallmark movies, that's a decent living. Oh, totally. I mean, like that's a good gig. I'm happy that she's getting work because yeah. that's 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 definitely a cush job, probably. Right. And I, I've said to people before, I was like, I will, I'll fucking write those pieces of shit. Hire <laughs> me. I could fucking make shit up. <laughs> you always got to pick like a publishing type career, yeah. or a publicist. Yeah. There's certain jobs these women always have to have. Yeah. 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 But um, I started listening to one on my way over. What's the podcast? It's called Christmas Town. Who does it? It's um, David Roth, who is a he writes for sports for um, Defector Media. Uh-huh. He's really funny, and Jeb Lund, 
Oh, Jeb Lund hosts. Yeah, so really? they host it because they're both serious political type guys, and then they watch these Hallmark movies. That sounds great. It's really fun. It's a really fun podcast. I I, I need to listen to it more. And Andy, our friend Andy Levy, is going to be on the one recapping Hanukkah. Oh my god, I Rye. can't wait. So I don't know. That must be coming out this week because he told me he recorded it today, and he's like, it's like really long. <laughs> Wait, okay, I'm excited now. So we have to listen. We'll listen. We didn't recap it, but I'm sure they did a great job. So uh, we'll listen to that. The one I listened to, it also had Andy. <laughs> and I, I just like randomly picked one, but the, the ta- it was a Christmas movie. What was it about? It was so stupid. It's like, it's like two competing reindeer parts. <laughs> it's just like the, the storylines are just so funny because you're like, all of these movies were pitched with a tagline. Yeah. It's set in a Christmas store. It's like, and she owns the Macy's like store and he owns the little mom and pop shop <laughs> down the street. Right. It's just like, they're all such typical storylines. Yeah. So I'm very curious what they do with Hanukkah. I don't know the history of Hallmark and Hanukkah. I'm guessing this is one of their first attempts at branching out beyond Christmas. Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing is like, like, the reality is Hanukkah is like not a big Jewish holiday, but it gets kind of blown. It's like the most well-known of the Jewish holidays. It gets equated with Christmas. Yeah, Yeah, because it falls around Christmas. Now, that's not to say that Lots of Jews don't love celebrating Hanukkah, but like, if you wanted to ask me like the story of Hanukkah and like the Maccabees, I'm not. I can't tell you jack shit. All I know is that we eat fried food, and that's why I participate every year. I just know that the oil lasted eight nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the basics. Yeah, I know the basics. Uh, I agree. It doesn't seem like it would even be a big holiday based on the story alone. No, we need like a Passover. Movie, I don't know. That yeah. sounds like it might be depressing. Ooh, we could do like the cup of Elijah, and it's like a hot guy show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I want to do like no. I want it to be like we need to have an intervention. Elijah's an alcoholic. <laughs> he just goes door to door getting drunk. That's not a Hallmark movie. <laughs> That's, That's a lifetime movie. movie. That's a yeah. lifetime movie about. That's a lifetime about movie. the prophet Elijah. Yeah. Um. No, and I, hey, Melon, or like a Rosh Hashanah movie. Like, what do you even do for that? Yeah. I mean, I guess Hanukkah is the best choice. Yeah, because it's, it's like, not offensive to like do a movie, but with like, you, you can't do like a Yom Kippur movie. <laughs> That's too serious. <laughs> it's just me atoning. You can't, you can't do a lighthearted love story <laughs> about making a t- atonement. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, it's like, what's a, what's a Jewish holiday movie? I don't know. What's a Curb Your Enthusiasm Christmas episode? There you go. Ooh. Oh, the podcast, by the way, it's called It's Christmas Town. I, I don't know if I said it exactly correctly. So I It's Christmas to, Town. It's Christmas Town. Uh, if you like those kind of movies, it's very fun. It's a fun show. So yeah, um, I'm definitely going to watch that Hanukkah movie and we're going to, we'll have to recap or discuss it lightly at least at some we'll point. We'll discuss it lightly when we get back f- yeah. from Christmas. So the the oil will last a few more nights. It's true. <laughs> it <laughs> will. we get back. Because Hanukkah, Hanukkah's on Christmas this year. The, end, the last day? No, the last day is the 26th, I think. 
Oh, okay. So it's actually overlapping. It's overlapping, which it does do sometimes. Sometimes it overlaps. One time it overlapped like Thanksgiving. It was like real early one year. It's one of those holidays where it's different every year, like where it starts. We don't know till we Google it. We don't know. I don't know how they did Hanukkah (laughs) before Google. (laughs) Just like happily ever after. We don't know what's (laughs) happening. (laughs) It's true. We don't know where it starts or ends. No one knows. Jewish holidays are the TLC of... (laughs) Please don't email me. I'm Jewish. (laughs) Please don't email me. Did you hear her? She's so disrespectful. I have great reverence for all of our wonderful holidays. I'm celebrating Hanukkah as we speak. I I made delicious latkes this week. Yes. I love Hanukkah. I do too. I like like it. Like I said, it's about fried food. I used to go to like an annual Hanukkah party in Marin County where all the Jews would come out (laughs) at this party Kids were... Okay, I unlocked a memory from this party, this particular annual party we went to. Because I was um, talking to my brother about like doing like a Hanukkah party this year because we usually do like Jewish holidays together. And um, I was like, we got to get donuts. And he's like, you just miss bobbing for donuts like we used to with the... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because at this party and I, I was like... That was kind of weird. Did other Jewish kids do that? What what it was is one of the adults, because there'd be like all the kids would congregate in like the playroom of this house, but there'd be an adult in there and they would hold this like dowel with strings and donuts tied to the ends of the strings. Like all these donuts. And Rachel was so eager. I was. She always won. Whenever there were like kids were doing bobbing for donuts, I would like race upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, it would be like four kids. Like, <laughs> this. That is so, it was like a contest. I'm losing it. It was like a oh contest to eat this donut that was tied to a little string. Oh my god! Like, I've never heard of this. <laughs> <laughs> this guy was on mushrooms, <laughs> but like every year, bobbing for and they were always the uh, they were the Entenmann's powdered donuts. So you'd be coughing powder. <laughs> That's something you can't inhale. No, powdered donuts are dangerous. We would be wait. Coughing were they up. was the string through the hole or were they, they donut were, holes? They were through the hole. <laughs> And the donuts were tied to these strings and like hung up on this little like rod. And the adult did he hold it? The rod? Like the it would be like two adults holding each end of the rod, and the kids would be underneath it with the donuts hanging down, just like were you on your feet, on your knees? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) This is getting worse by the minute. game to keep the game besides oh dreidel because there's only so many games of dreidel everyone wanted to play we need to find out if this is there's something kind of funny but also cruel about making a kid work that hard to eat the donuts <laughs> but you guys had fun yeah and my brother clearly clearly remembered it and i was like oh my god that's weird did other kids is that a thing yeah I've did, never heard did of other it. Kids at Hanukkah parties do that. Also, I feel like if I saw this anywhere, <laughs> I would have been it. like, "Wow, <laughs> what's this about?" <laughs> That's so funny. We need to get that guy who invented it on on the show. <laughs> I should ask my mom because I remember the host. I remember like the family's house, and I should like 
try and get that guy's contact information. I, I need to know. Excuse me, sir. Yeah. It's been 25 years yeah. since I was at your party. The, here's what's going to happen. You're going to ask your mom and she's going to be like, no one did that. No, of course <laughs> about <laughs> and it's gonna make it even more mysterious yeah, i'm gonna feel <laughs> gaslit i'm gonna feel fucking gaslit and my i'm gonna show her the text like well why does my brother remember it she's like you guys didn't do that <laughs> she has no idea this happened yeah. it's gonna create this huge like mystery right oh my god I'm that's so funny fucking in tears right now oh my god i just keep this. picturing <laughs> wait the fact that they're powdered sugar also is hilarious <laughs> i just, just remember the, the feeling of that because <gasps> you know when you're eating a donut a powdered sugar donut, you actually accidentally breathe <laughs> no and we were all eager to eat them you were so like we're, oh, huffing and puffing a little bit getting some getting some cardio hopping on your knees do they pull it up sometimes? I I think they did. I think they tricked us and like pulled it with oh pull. Dude, this is really funny. Oh um, my god. Okay. Ugh. Well, we're gonna eat a lot this week. We'll have some good. We'll have stories some great when we come tales. Back. <laughs> we'll have some great tales. Good food tales. Uh, when we get back. Have, okay. Have a merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy ha- all of it. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.